of it. You know, when you and I spoke, you, you kind of used that term, and I thought that was uh, quite endearing and, in fact, quite humble that you would call yourself the caretaker. Um, and at well, some point, you're going to... Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, and what I'll do is this. I'll, let me let me just get this all straightened out right now, okay? Sure. I uh, 20 years ago in 1999, I started the professional wrestling on thing. And the person that helped me out the most was probably George Steele at the time. And George Steele and I, well, let's go back a, another step. March 2nd of 2020, a month or so ago, I just finished just short of 25 years with the New York State Athletic Commission as a deputy commissioner. I overseen professional boxing, professional wrestling, and the last few years, professional and amateur MMA. <laughs> Back in 1999, I was doing a wrestling show at a large venue in upstate New York in Albany. On the card was George Steele. Now, right. I knew George prior to this, so when he worked that show, it was nice to see him. And we had something to eat prior, and I said, look, when the show's over, let's go get something to drink across the street. Okay. So the show finishes, I go across the street, and it was me, him, and I'm not, you know, like I mentioned one time before, a guy Johnny Walker Black was with me. And we this, we sat down, and about, about the time we got about halfway through the bottle there, I was talking to him, and I said, you know, Jim, his real name was Jim Myers. I said, you know, Jim, sure. I said, What's, what, what is it for you after this is all over? And he said, nothing, really. He, I said, well, isn't there a hall or anything that you can go to? And he said, well, not really. He said, they used to have this thing that they would honor us, but they would give us a plaque, but there was no physical brick-and-mortar place. Yeah. So... While we were talking to each other, I think we were just passing time and really just blowing smoke up each other's, you know what? So I said sure. to him, and I said, <coughs> I said, how about how about this? If I could start a Hall of Fame in the region here, would you help me do it? Now, now, mind you, there's 23 Halls of Fame in New York State, and we're the largest state. You know, we're the state with the largest amount of Hall of Fames. Right. So I'm in a vicinity of about seven or eight of them. I sit on the Boxing Hall of Fame's board of director uh, as a board of director for, I'm in my eighth three-year term. So, and I'm due next year. So like around 24 years. So I knew how to do it. I went to baseball hall of fame i went to the sarah you know the racing hall of fame you know uh, not too far away uh, just over the border i had the basketball hall of fame and they were all in the summer and stuff so we went to all these things and i so i knew how to do it sure and i and and i knew the people in the wrestling industry and i, I had that entrepreneur type of attitude 
So I said, I just need someone to open the doors for me. George, you could do this. You could call and tell these people, hey, my friend's going to be calling you. Answer the phone. You know, he's got something that he wants to propose. Maybe we could help him. So that's what he did, actually. And that was like in September. Right. Well, December 17th in 1999, I received a letter in the mail from the Board of Regents in New York State granting me a, a, uh, you know, uh, a region. Uh, The regents called me up. They granted me this thing that I could open up a Hall of Fame in New York State for professional wrestling. I called Steele up. Steele said, you know, I can't believe it. He kind of like didn't remember the conversation, but then he did. But true to his word, he really went out there and he pushed it. And with uh, the connections that we both had, we were able to open up this Hall of Fame and get this going. Now, that basically was really my my thing. I mean, I had people right. helping me, you know, Mike Capano and Bob Wyla and, and uh, sure. Johnny Peterson, these guys. And I had these guys helping me out and to move it forward. And I thank God for all of them. But that was really my deal. I ran it until 2016. And... I couldn't do it no more. Most of my guys were dying of a ticket seller type of people like uh, uh, the Killer Kowalskis, the Mays, the Moolas, Steel, uh, Strongbow. Uh, sure. You know, oh, God, Tennessee, sure. Yeah, Penny Banner. On and on and on. All these people started dying who used to come to the events and people would buy tickets to see them. Yeah, and then plus, I was getting tired because for 15 years I worked seven days a week, and I don't know many people that could have done that. Can't tell you how many things I missed, how many things I I came late to, how many uh, you know. It was just overbearing after a while. Oh, I can imagine, Tony. So after I the people started dying off, and I started having less and less of them around me, you know, and Bachwinkle and Snooker and all these guys and Lou Albano, these guys were gone and I just didn't know what to do, you know, the newer people I didn't really know. Yeah. So I put what they call uh, an RFP, a request for proposal, (laughs) to different cities and states. Excuse me. And um, Texas was one of those maybe a half a dozen and the other ones were too close i would have never have gotten out i would still would have been too close i would have had to, to maintain it so sure. texas was far enough away for me more in the central of the of the united states i could bring in the west and plus it was mcgurt's old territory and oh, sure. at that time when mcgurt had that territory if you weren't a rep, you know, if you didn't travel his territory, you probably really wasn't in professional wrestling. I mean, you had yeah. to pass through. You know, I had the funks there, and I had um, over the border um, the guy from Oklahoma, Danny Hodge. 
And then I had the Lariat there, Stan Hansen over there. And I said, well, you know, this is going to work out pretty good for us. Yeah. They accepted it. They liked it. I sent everything over there. Um, and I was out of it. Now, it didn't go the way I would have ran it down there. But the thing about it is people in New York State missed the hall. And I took yeah. kind of like a beating up here for letting it go. But when I ha- one day I got a call, and it was last summer. I got a call from a guy named Mike Lenudo. And Mike, Mike uh, our co-host tonight, might enjoy this little story. I was doing a movie. I was an extra in a movie, and, it, and that, that movie was uh, Mob Town with David Arquette that just came out in December. And I, played I know the film well. Absolutely. I know the film well. And I played a bodyguard for one of the leading characters. And Mike Lenudo was in the movie, and he asked me if I could meet with him and a person named Seth Turner. Well, I was going to ask you about that. How did Seth Turner uh, enter the picture? So Seth Turner used to come to the Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, and he would, you know, bring his family, and he would go get autographs, and when we were doing signings and stuff like that. Now, I said, you know what? He said, we want to talk to you about setting up a Hall of Fame again in New York State. And I said, well, you know, that was already played out. And they said, well, you know, there's a lot of people that want it back. I think we could bring it back. So I said, you know, we need your guidance. You already went through it. Like, the difference here, Angelo, is when I first did it, I didn't have a playbook or any guidance. I was giving a machete and said, there's the woods. I hope you make it to the other end. (laughs) And it was very difficult. More doors closed than open. It was very difficult. And I made it through. And I was still able to keep a lot of those memories in my head. So I said, you know what? I could guide you if you want me to. And I said, but I won't do this unless I know you're serious. Because I'm not going to put my name out there and have you guys walk away. Then you make me look. Because when Mikey earlier earlier said that he was listening to my speech at the Hollyflower Alley Club, um, I'll get back to that. But what happened was, is he said, Lenudo and Seth said, can you meet us at a diner in Catskill, New York, which is an hour away from me. And I'm saying, here I am driving an hour to go do something I already did for 20 years. You know, I, you know, I really didn't have a lot of incentive to want to do this. But the fact that, you know, he, just, he was a friend of mine. I met him on the set. I said, you know, I wasn't doing anything. It was Sunday morning. I said, all right, I'll come. So we went down there, sat down, and we talked. And I told them what they had to do first. They had to go to the border regions. They had to ask the border regions. They'll send you some stuff that you have to do. You do that first. Then call me. Because that will at least show me your commitment. 
So about a month later, they call up and said, we did it. We got the thing. You gave me the charter. And it was kind of funny. It was a couple months after it, really. But it was kind of funny because 20 years to the day was December 17th, 2019. They got the charter on December 10th, 2019. Almost 20 years to the day. And so I said, you know, God's guiding me here. You know, maybe I should do this and maybe I should try to bring it back. So I told him, I said, well, you know what? I'm in. But to clarify, and this was started this story, I never, I didn't want to be part of it. I just wanted to guide it. I said, look, you're the president, Seth. This other guy, Mike, he's the vice president. They got Andy Goff as a secretary. They had this guy, Joe DeFino, and they had the lawyer, Mike Viscosi. And all these people were all set up, and they already told me they're, what they're going to do. And so they gave me, like, a title. But I said, look, it, let me stick my face out there. No one knows who you are. Maybe I, you could do to me, like, what I did with George Steele. We could get this thing maybe off the ground. And right. it took off. It took off like a rocket ship. And we went for a physical location in Catskill about three, four weeks ago. Right. And it was a beautiful location, and everything was looking good. But then they had a small core group come up against it. And that's where they are right now trying to fight, you know, yeah. to try to. You could always come to Richmond. Mid-Atlantic area loves wrestling. Well, you know, that brings up something you said earlier, Tony, uh, about the the demand for the Hall of Fame to be uh, in this area, the uh, the general East Coast area. You know, our area, and I'm sure you know because you've been involved in this business for the better part of almost 50 years, is that... uh, you know, the, the greater New York area, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, you know, Maryland, this entire area is steeped rich in wrestling history. It just makes sense to me from a, from a historical standpoint that it should be in this area. If not New York, then certainly uh, Philadelphia uh, or somewhere in New Jersey, uh, you know, perhaps Atlantic City uh, in in one of the uh, the hotbeds of tourism. But uh, yeah, now the only thing about that is you got to make sure that you have people that will man it and work it. Yeah, you can start yeah. it anywhere you want to start it, but who's going to be staying there and working it? I was a I was a I was so devoted that I I worked every day. I mean, I was involved every single yeah. day. And oh, I know. It just it just ate me up, you know. Yeah. But you need you need someone to stay there. So the reason why they were looking at Catskill was was a couple of reasons. One, those guys are from there. You know. Yeah. And two, they didn't have an attraction. Their biggest thing is um, Mike Tyson trained atop of the police department. And a gym up on that side. That's where he was from. Yeah. But really, they needed they needed an attraction, and they didn't have one. You know, and you never do a Hall of Fame in a big city. 
no Hall of Fames are really in a big city. There might be one or two, but why is that, Tony? That, that, that's because, a real good point you bring you up. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. And no one, and, you know, you can't afford it. And you have to have people to man it. And you have to pay for them if they do that. And you need, you just can't. You want to get block grants. You want to get facade grants. You want to get some kind of grants. You get them easier from a town that has nothing going for it or it's yeah. slow or it doesn't have attractions than you would be if I went to New York City. You have to pay $2,000 for a broom closet space. In <laughs> the basement, yeah. Yep. yeah, absolutely. You know, Tony... I was for a flat in Chelsea in the 80s. I was getting that building in Amsterdam for a dollar a year. And I had 4,500 yeah. square feet. We cut the deal in Texas for 7,500 square feet for $15 a year. I'm not going to get stuff like that in a big city. It just ain't happening. Well, yeah. you got to remember, when you go to a small city, you need police. To bring people there, you need police force because you want to be safe. You need sure. business because you want to work. You need a school system because you want your family to go to school in a good school, and you need attractions, and that's where we came in. We were yeah. a great attraction for them, but you don't open up every day because people are not coming to your Hall of Fame during the day because they're working, and during the school yeah. week, no one's coming out at night, so we got weekends. You're usually good from Friday to maybe Sunday. That type of thing, and yeah, that's what really sure. you're you're not a big employer, and your taxes, your tax, you're a five hundred one c three, so you're a tax exempt. But basically, the city wants to say they're the home of the Hall of Fame. We used to put on a street fair. We would draw eight, ten thousand people to our inductions. We would yeah. bring in like people. We had all kinds of tents and stuff and street fairs. We had those things, but because I, I got it into their head, it doesn't have to always be wrestling. It could be other things. Come on down and visit the car show. Let's do this. Let's do that. You end up doing a 5K run, a golf outing, a parade. You can make all this thing happen and bring it to this community, and people can go to their community, and you've got car rentals, hotels, boutiques, restaurants that are all of a sudden get this weekend boom that they never had before. Yeah. Tony, let me ask you a question. When you announced uh, that the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame would be a real thing, did you get any cooperation or assistance from the wrestling industry itself other than certain oh, individuals? Not really. It was more individuals. But <laughs> it's in this industry, it's always them looking outside into the windows, into the glass at you inside. And they stay there until they feel that everybody's going inside and then they'll come in afterwards. Yeah. They, they won't jump in uh, right off the bat with two feet. You almost got to prove yourself all the time. And no, you don't. But this, this How many thing, of those people, though, Tony, said, you know what? Yeah, I really believe in this idea. And, 
and I'm willing to, to write you a check. I had a lot of independence. I, I you know, like the independence uh, locally on the East Coast, they all pretty much signed up or said, hey, you know, I'd like to help you out, whatever you need, blah, blah, blah. And I would work their shows, and they would come up to me and say, hey, I'm so happy you're bringing this back. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I was kind of like the face of the Hall of Fame. And I'm really, got to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not the face of the Hall of Fame. It's, it's Seth Turner and his group. I'm on that board. I was on that board. I, I kind of like don't want to be on the board. I just want to be on the, hey, I'm, I'm going to be 70 years old in a couple of months. I don't want to put 20 more years in. I, I, I'll sign sure. the contract to give me 20 more years for life. I mean, I want to be 90. I want to make 90. You know, yeah. but I don't know if I have 20 more years left. But well, I should I should I point out I should point out in in full disclosure to uh, everyone listening. You know, Tony Villano and I had a private conversation where he expressed to me that the time, energy, and effort that he put into this literally at some points made him physically sick because of the, the sheer amount of time and hours involved, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, and, and at the time you and I spoke, Tony, we should also say in full disclosure, you were recovering from surgery at the time. And I hope you're, you know, at, at doing a bit better than you were. You were in a lot of pain the last time we spoke. And, while I had the Hall of Fame, I also had 15 outlets of my business, 130 people that I employed, seven states I was in, and I'm working that Monday through Friday in the Hall of Fame on the weekends. I'm missing families, weddings, picnics, birthdays, basketball games, football games, grandkids stuff. All of that because of my dedication to it. And when all my yeah. friends in the business started dying, the ones like I named you, it wasn't as fun as it was. And it started getting re repetitive. It started, everything was being, well, I got time to do this, time to do that, time to do this. It got to be repetition. And I'm saying, well, shit, anybody could do this now. And so... What I did was I said, it's time for me to go, and, it's, and, my, and my lease was going to be up in another year anyway. And so right. I said, you know what? It's time for me to, to close this up, move it to someplace where I could bring in the West Coast, move it someplace in the center, went over uh, Texas, the, the building there, 7,500 square feet. The guy gave us a good deal. Texas was looking for a, an attraction, and the rest is history with that. So we come yeah. back. Everybody's upset. A couple of years go by. They want the new hall. Turner and his group come up and said, look, it, no one knows us. No one knows. You know, we don't know what to do or how to start it. Can you at least come out, be the face of the hall, give us some guidance? We'll work it. We'll do it. We'll do the fundraising. We'll try to do that. And I said, sure, I'll stay with you for a year or two. But after that, I said, I already did this. To me, it's all old hat already. And 
to get back to the cauliflower alley thing, when I was out for the three years, and this was the only thing that used to bother me was, is that I put so much effort in, I did something that no one else did in the world. I did something against a billion dollar corporation and pulled it off. When it moved to Texas, after the time I brought it there and I came back, I had no communication with them from that day on. So I said, well, here I am, someone that did what no one else ever did, got it credible, all this other stuff. And now it's like I became a footnote in pro wrestling history. So I said, well, I guess that's just the way it is. And I was sitting out in this boat. It was like in the ocean, just drifting. When Brian Blair drives by, hooks, says, hey, Tony, hooks a hook to me and takes me to shore. And calls me up in one day and said, you know what? We had a unanimous vote. We want to give you a Lifetime Achievement Award at the, hall, at the Cauliflower Alley Club. Now, I recognize the Cauliflower Alley Club as the largest and most recognized organization in professional wrestling. Absolutely. To be, to be recognized them and being put in the class of 219, it was like my swan song. It was like putting the final end to what I just went through and at least I got recognized by the largest organization internationally. Absolutely. And so, yes. And, so and deservedly what, so. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone that told me that because I'm the most ignorant to the following. I've just got my head to the grindstone and yeah. I'm doing what I can do to keep this thing going. And well, Tony, where did they, your passion for wrestling start? Did that start as a as a kid? No, that's the joke. I didn't even like it. I didn't <laughs> even know anything about it. See, if you knew me, especially from the beginning, that was the joke that the president of the hall, the guy who pulled it off, was the guy who knew the least. And I think, and I told him, I said, but that's how I did it because I had the business sense. I knew how to start businesses and I was in the wrestling business through the athletic commission. Right. And I knew, and I live around all these halls of fame. And I said, well, you know what? That's a hat trick. Somebody like me could pull this off. If I had somebody like steel, blocking for me i'm carrying the ball but i need a blocker yeah and he was why he was the guy and he opened it all up he brought most of those guys when they all started coming and what and listen let me tell you something you have to do it right and you have to put it on real good and yeah. you have to put it on to the point where you have to treat them like Ne like they've never been treated before. You have to understand when you're a pro wrestler, okay, and you deal with some kind of promoter, you're not usually treated well. You're usually taken advantage of. You're, you're flying coach. You're, you're getting, if he even takes you out, he tells you to keep it under 10 bucks. You're sleeping in a Motel 6. 
You know, you're not treated well. Well, right. I flipped the coin and I treated them like they really meant something to us. Yeah. And they all did. And when they left, they couldn't believe it. So my motto was this. My motto was, listen, how you put it on is how they talk about it. When Absolutely. Leave, if I put it on shitty, that's how they're going to talk about it. But if I put it on really good and make them feel like they're really important, that's how they're going to talk about it. Absolutely. And that's what I did, and I made sure that that's what I did. And you did a splendid and magnificent job. Tony, I want to open it up to questions from our resident filmmaker, Mike Messier. Mikey, go ahead. Hi, Tony. Uh, it's great hearing your story. Uh, a lot of questions come to mind, but I guess for the people that are out there that might want to visit your Hall of Fame, uh, my, my first question would be, how does it work? Do they go to your physical brick-and-mortar address now in New York, and how much is a ticket, and what does that get them? Is it like a, a tour, or you just kind of tour yourself? Is there a gift shop? What, what can the paying customer expect when uh, he or she goes to your Hall of Fame there in New York, Tony? Well, when we had the, the Hall of Fame in New York, we set it up with everything that you mentioned. They took a tour. They had a gift shop. They had all of that. But we only did this not e only four months ago, five months ago. People don't understand that, that I only got the charter in December of 99. So with Christmas and New Year's, these holidays and Easter, you know what I mean? That ate up a lot of the day. So really, if you think about it, it's only been four months. What happened in four months in New York State with this new hall? Well, you set up a facebook page that's going up to three thousand people soon you've set up a store on the on the facebook uh well really it's on the website which is ipwhf.org international professional wrestling hall of fame.org which anthony ritolo uh was who was a friend of ours he set all of that up he set the that's thing up yeah, right now there's no physical brick and mortar place to attend but okay. there is there is, there's a raffle going on right at this moment. That, go ahead. Camera. Well, I had, we had a lot of people stepped up. We had uh, J.J. Dillon uh, did an autograph signing for us in Syracuse and in Albany. Yeah, then I had sure did. A, I had, we had two wrestling shows on the same night that were donating us money and this virus canceled it. Then we yeah. had our, you know, and then we had our induction or well, our inaugural dinner, which is on May 16th. I was just and, going to ask you about that. Yeah, that got canceled as well. The place where we held it or holding it, they canceled out on us. And that was, three, four weeks ago, and we had 200 tickets sold at that time. Okay, so... I, I know, I remember. And okay, I so I remember. Most everything. What I'm <laughs> hearing, people, Tony... Let us hold. Yeah, well, I was going to say, what I'm, what I'm hearing is that uh, some of the guys I know involved in that are, are telling me sometime now in June, possibly as late as July... 
As far as what? As far as that inaugural dinner. Yeah. And, well, it may be the fall. I don't know. It's like all up in the air right now. We were supposed to be done with this by now. And now it's moving over to May. And the kids, kids uh, even in school here, they, they don't can't even go back to the middle of May yet. So it all how this all plays out and we all get back to our lives again. But we had we had to cancel like four fundraisers. So yeah. now we said, well, look at we'll use the internet. We'll use the internet. So Seth Turner was uh, friends with uh, Rocky Johnson, and you know Dwayne is Rock's son. Yeah. And and he gave Seth uh, one of his shirts, workout shirts and stuff. And that's for raffle right now. You for ten bucks you could buy a ticket. You could buy as many tickets as you want. You send uh, a check or money order to IPWHF.org to the PO box in Catskill, which you could pick up on on the website and you can yeah. enter this you could enter this raffle to win Rock's shirt. Now Absolutely. we're trying to figure ways to raise money and instead of being dormant. Oh, absolutely. We well, had, look, if there's any way we can help you, just let me know. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. right. And that's just, getting, that's, just, that's just getting a hold of Seth Turner through the Facebook page and uh, telling them that you want to be part of it. Oh, We're absolutely. Well, I, I yep, have to tell you, uh, a couple of the, the hitters uh, with the IPWHF uh our friends of this show, J.J. Dillon, of course, was here with uh, with our buddy Davey O'Hannon uh, just last week, talking about <laughs> those the. Those uh, two are like my best. Those two are like my best friends. Like uh, J.J. Dillon, uh, he's the one that introduced me at the Cauliflower Alley Club because I didn't right. want anybody else. And Davey O'Hannon, three weeks ago, I visited with him for a couple of days. Yeah, these people were he, there. These people, yep, they were there from the beginning for us. Yeah, and he told me you stole the towels out of the Borgata Hotel. <laughs> nice. Who hasn't stolen you know, towels? So, you know, if you're gonna go, go big. Exactly. But, no, right. Yeah. Uh, no, that's just uh, that's a rib. Well, Tony, we got a question for you from uh, Grimlina. Go ahead, Grimmy. Well. I'm impressed, and a couple of things. Um, I know several WWE Hall of Famers, Pro Wrestling Hall of Famers, and I think it would be nice. What criteria gets you into a Hall of Fame? Good question. Well, that's all being set up, and it's, it has been set up. It just hasn't been published yet. Bob Gryla wrote all our rules and regulations for the one for the PWHF, and uh, that's in Texas right now, and the one that was in all, or, uh, Amsterdam here. And it ran for 20 years now with the same rules and regs. So when we started this, I called Bob. I said, Bob, this is going to be a little twist because now there's an international flavor. And so, Bob, can you write something up for us? And he's been working on it for the last couple of months. And he gave us uh, one of the uh, final drafts about a week or so ago. Very intricate, but it's, uh, 
it's I'll, I'll break it down generically for you. What they basically do is they uh, have a set of um, he wants eventually a hundred um, selectors, uh, but right now we're at fifty because I didn't want it to get too crazy as it all grew. I wanted him to then start growing the selector pool. And what we do out of that 50, we take 30 to 40 of them, and we send them a ballot to vote on. Now, the selection committee is a committee of, like, three people. There's one of the three are the chairman. So they don't have voting power. Right. They come and they put together a ballot. When they put the ballot together, they decide they'll send it to the board of directors of the hall and the hall looks at it, they approve it, and then they send it out to 30 to 40 of the 50 selectors. Okay, just because you're a selector doesn't mean you may not vote that year. And I really don't, I like to switch them because I don't want some guy to say, hey, I'm going to be able to put so-and-so on this year. Or yeah. hey, let's get together and, and let's vote as a voting Thinking board. about how to stuff a ballot box. Say that again, Grimmy. I said, thinking on how to stuff a, va- a ballot box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, let's, we let's talk allow, about we, that. We, <laughs> yeah, we let's don't, actually we don't allow that. That's, that's, why, well, that's why when we send you stuff, your ballot, we send you your ballot anonymously. You don't, you don't know you're getting one. And then okay, when you finally cool. get it, you do your voting, and it comes back to the selection committee, okay? Right. And when the selection committee receives, and they're the three people, when they receive the ballots and they see that there might be a tie on one or two, that's the only time that they have the right to vote. And only the two, not the chairman, only the two vote. Now, if they can't break the tie because one votes for one, one votes the other, that's the only time selection chairman votes to break the tie. Makes sense. I put a a lot of thought into this when I put this together years ago. Yeah, it it seems to work for 20 years. I was ribbing you for 20 years. I was ribbing you You about stuff in the box. Well, we, we like you to be like a certain age. We When we did the other one, you had to be like 50. You had to have at least 20 years in the business. You yeah. had to at least become, become notable in the business. You, yeah, I mean, we didn't want to look. You listen, everybody's talking about territorial. Well, you know, what if I was territorial and I spent 40 years territorial? Well, did you ever do a WrestleMania or did you ever travel to Japan or did you go to Australia? Did you win any big national titles? You know, I don't, we didn't want to see a guy with a belt over his shoulder said he was a heavyweight champion and never traveled more than 50 mile radius. Those things, you know, that, that didn't work for me. Well, you know, Tony, let me ask you a question along those lines. Uh, you know, Grimmy, um, mentioned you know kind of kind of jokingly tongue-in-cheek but i'm gonna pick up on a serious note where she left off you know there is uh there's one man in stanford connecticut uh that is the ballot box his name's vince mcmahon and uh can can that hall of fame the wwe hall of fame as it's called be considered in any shape or capacity 
a legitimate pro wrestling Hall of Fame, in your opinion? He, listen, let me tell you something about the McMahons. They're four generations. Goes back just McMahon, who was who was uh, put it promoting in Madison Square Garden, and then his son, Senior, then his grandson, Junior, and now his great-grandson, uh, the kid. Now, <coughs> their business stayed. Their business cyclical, up and down. They put a Hall of Fame. Their Hall of Fame, to me, is more to produce revenue, not to honor the industry. And the reason why we did it, and they're a for-profit Hall of Fame. It's a different story. That's a for-profit. We're a not-for-profit. I went back to before the 1900s. The, before WWE, before television, their Hall yeah. of Fame only puts in WWE people, people that worked for them, that type of thing. I put in Strangler Lewis, Hackenschmidt, Londos, all those people that were before the WWE. You Is know, there the Ar- yeah, absolutely. You're not going to see Argentino Rocca. You're not going to see, you know, those. You're not going to see Dick Murdoch. You're not going to see uh, all those type of guys that were really. You're not going to see George Gordianko. You're not going to see those type of guys. We took it seriously. We had a series of a bunch of historians that put this ballot together and go back. When I. When we had the Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, my oldest piece that I displayed was 1870. Wow. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. No, not, not even close. A, right, and he doesn't have a brick and mortar. Now, you've got to understand, for him to put a brick and mortar together, and he wanted to try to do that in Orlando, and then right. he even thought about doing it in Vegas and stuff like that. Look what he has to buy. Look what he has to build. Look who he has to employ. He has all of that stuff, and that is mucho dollars. That is why the small towns and villages, that's where you go, because they'll give you a building for free. Well, you know, Tony, I never understood how a guy that's got three, literally three warehouses filled with wrestling memorabilia doesn't have a brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame. The guy's got literally three warehouses filled with priceless, and I mean, in some cases, priceless wrestling history. I've seen them. You know, Ben Brown, Ben Brown is the head of all of that stuff over there. Yeah. He's an employee there. He's a great guy. He came up to our Hall of Fame. Believe me, WWE, especially in the beginning, they sent carload people up to check me out, check out what we were doing, the whole nine yards. Now, did he help us out? No. But in a way, he did. Because he could have wiped me out anytime he wanted to. I didn't have a, a legal department where they could say, I just want you to, to devote your time on wiping them out. Right. We have WWF stuff on display. We got WWE stuff on display. 
We got yeah. WCW on display. We got ECW on display. He owns all those things. He if sure I, does. If I didn't have a, I didn't have an entry fee because in the very beginning, if I went at an entry fee and I'm displaying their stuff, technically I had to give them a percentage of it. You know, they're cut for displaying their stuff. Yeah, now, if sure. I just did it as display and didn't have an entry fee coming in and just put a donation box as they left, yeah, then that was, you know, but to his credit, and I, and I thank him all the time for this, is that he had a lot of wrestlers that too old to wrestle or injured to wrestle, he kept on his payroll, okay? Now, yeah. What he did by keeping on his payroll, he still owned them technically. He owned their rights. Yeah. Now, I put them, I'm inducting them into the Hall of Fame. Tony, I'll come if Vince releases me. So, Mula, May, DiBiase, Strongbow, um, Graham, all these guys, uh, Roddy Piper, all these people. I've been cool Cola. They all had to ask to be released. Right, they absolutely. Could come to the event. And he allowed every single guy to come. He never held anybody back. He could have said no, and that would have been a big dent in my ticket sales. And plus, it would have looked bad for me. Absolutely. Know, plus it looked like I'm being owned by this guy. So, financially, did he support me financially? Yes and no. He didn't give me money, but he didn't hurt me by bringing these people in to sell tickets for that event. And yeah. I financially I got the money that way. Mike Messier, go ahead. Well, I guess what I'm learning tonight, um, Tony, from your story, is that if, if someone like yourself or anybody has a good thing going, as you did you know, originally in New York, then, then don't let it go. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting from this conversation in your story that you you had the hall of fame there in new york and for whatever reason internal external reasons you kind of let it slip out of your fingers but but now you're kind of reclaiming your hold on it and i guess what i'm learning here tonight is that if you have something that's working uh, don't mess with it am i on the right path of that you think or or what Nah, you're not even close <laughs> the thing about it, it never, Mike, it never slips out of my hand. I had it the whole time, and I could have went anywhere I wanted with it. Okay. I just got tired. I got tired. I got tired because I had nobody step up and and, and take my place. I yeah, he was doing everything himself. I, yeah. Listen, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many how many times I had to go there and shovel snow, or how many gallons of Windex that I used, or how many hours of vacuuming that I did. And whenever I got somebody to come help me, they're expecting to see Hulk Hogan there, and Hulk Hogan doesn't come there. And when I tell them to go vacuum or go dust, they get kind of disillusioned, and they leave. Yeah. No, it, it, listen, when it left, I couldn't have been any happier. It, you know, yeah. but let me tell you a little story. When I decided to leave it, and when I decided to cut the deal with Wichita Falls, and they were all happy about it, and everything was going on really well there. I had to close it up in, in Amsterdam. 
Now, it was a surprise to them as well because I still had time on my lease. Well, here's how bad it got as people not wanting to help. They only want to, listen, they only want to come in and tell you what to do, but they don't want to help you do it. They think that exactly. you have time enough to do it. They're, they're all bosses, and they're all telling you how to run stuff, but they yeah. never come in. Now, I had to close the place up. I had to pack the place up. The only person that helped me in a month, it took me a month to do it, the only person that helped me was my wife. We packed 880 boxes, over 30,000 pounds of stuff I sent to Wichita Falls, and Ooh. I gave yeah. them. Upper, He's upper talking about years. literally truckloads. Yeah, truckloads. Yeah. And 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 I I had I gave them upper five figures of money to start them off. I literally sent everything over there: display cases, mannequins, yeah. all kinds of stuff. I had complete control of it. There wasn't anything that if I wanted to stay there and still be miserable, I could have. It never slipped out of my hand. Yeah. The only thing about it is that people wanted it back, the people that attended it on the East Coast. But I, no, but I said, okay, why don't you start it, and I'll help you start it so I can get out of it, and you'll still have your Hall of Fame. You'll be happy, and, and we're all happy. I don't have to do it anymore. Why do I have to, after 20 years, prove myself? I was the only guy around that did it. And if you look exactly. at what I did, you look at what I did, you'll see how many Halls of Fame popped up after I did that. You got the one exactly. in New England that popped up. You got all these on the Internet that popped up. You got, like, Indiana or Indianapolis Hall of Fame. You got them in Florida yeah. now. All these people popped up after I broke the barrier. I, I want to I tell you, Tony, if you're not aware of it, I did a little homework today, and this is these numbers are real. In the continental United States right now, there are 724 professional wrestling halls of fame in some form or fashion. Whoa! 724 in the continental U.S. And there wasn't any at one time. So let right. me tell now, you this. Let me let me bring you up a little bit farther. There's a guy, there's a guy, Craig Bradley, from Scotland. Yeah. Who sent me something a couple months ago and told me how me doing what I did with the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame gave him the incentive to do it in Scotland. Today, today, right now. You could walk into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame of Scotland, and he's the curator. They hold inductions, the whole nine yards, all because of what we did here. That's remarkable. That's it, Tony. Is it is it the political climate here? Is it that the fact that a Hall of Fame is so damn political? To get together, or do you have to? You feel like you have to appease everyone. What, what's the? Uh... Oh, here's the deal. Right now, let's talk about present time. You're not going to get crap because all the money that's being spent right now is being spent to keep small businesses afloat and people to eat and not lose their homes and houses. 
No one's going to sit there and be broken on unemployment and say, in some politi- uh, some politician saying, you know what? I know you guys are having a hard time. I know the farmers are starving. I know that these guys' business had to close. But what if I give the Hall of Fame Wrestling Hall of Fame twenty thousand dollars? Do you think that would go over well? No. Nah, it, See, it'd go over as well as a fart in church. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's the the worst climate for that to happen yeah. right now. Because even after their budgets have been passed, and in the beginning of the year is when you want to grab all their money, because a lot of them yeah. don't have it at the end of the year. They get their money at the beginning of the year for their budgets. And so, like, if you didn't get the money now, you're not going to get it for a while. And you need that money. That's why you have to self-raise it. So we went out there and tried to self-raise it. Yeah. And then they had a national shutdown. And I can't even, I can't, how can you have a signing and they're six feet apart? Yeah. Like, you want to hear It's crazy. Story? It really is kind of crazy. Tony, Alan had a question. Alan has a question for you, Tony. Sorry. Hey, Tony. You may have uh, mentioned or touched on this before. I was just kind of curious. Um, from the other Hall of Fame groups that are out there, um, like maybe um, my question would be like Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, have you had any uh, support or uh, help from any of them at all from what you're working on? Cauliflower Alley Club, I was actually a board member or a board director member as well when I was with the Hall of Fame. They would issue, they would come to every single induction, and they would donate $1,000 to every single induction. We would be, have them in part of the agenda. And part of the agenda was bringing up people that had money to donate to the Hall. Yeah. And the Cauliflower Alley Club was one of them. And that consisted of Carl Lauer and Nick Bockwinkle. The two of those people would come up all the time. And, and now lately it was, the, in my final years, was uh, Brian Blair. Yeah. And now, uh, I don't know if they still do it with the one in Texas, but they were very supportive. In fact, the very first Hall of Fame induction I did um, well, Killer Kowalski, uh, Butcher Vishan, Carl Kowal- uh, Carl Lauer, Nick Bockwinkle, they all came up and went to the induction to check me out. We, me and those guys were like two dogs meeting each other for the first time. <laughs> okay? And they were wondering what I was all about, and I didn't know who the hell the Cauliflower Alley Club was. Yeah. But I knew that they were important. Now, you must understand, too, I'm in Albany, right? Right. The Cauliflower Alley Club was started by a man named Mike Mazurki, yep. who was a wrestler and movie star. Mike, maybe you remember him at all. He did a lot. He did Dick Tracy. He did a lot. Yep. Of, uh, yeah. This movies, he was on Adam. Well, he had that gangster sure face. Well, he's from Cahos, which is Albany, New York, and he started yeah. that back in I think 1968. Originally, it was for boxers, wrestlers, and Screen Actor Guild members. 
because mm-hmm. back then they used to have like Archie Moore would come and Carmen sure. Basilio would come, those all type of guys. But it morphed just into wrestling. And now they're trying to bring maybe some, you know, uh, movie guys back and this and that. Yeah. But pretty much predominantly is, is wrestling. But to answer yeah. Al, Alan's question is, they were very supportive from day one, and they would give us $1,000 a year. Good. You know, Tony, you mentioned Mike Mazursky. I should point out to everyone that Mike Mazursky's uh, famous cauliflower ear is the logo is emblem. Yeah, yeah, of the emblem. Cauliflower Alley Club. He also yep. can, uh, you can see Mike Mazursky featured prominently in the film Pocket Full of Rainbows with Betty Davis and uh, Glenn Ford. Great, it's a great holiday he, he film. Was in, he was in tens, you know, I mean, he was in tens of movie, movies, 40, 50, 60, I don't know how many. He was, uh, he was, he was quite an actor. They liked yeah. his look. He was friends with John Wayne. And uh, he worked a lot with John Wayne. Yeah. John but Wayne, you know, it's funny because there was another, another well-known wrestler that was in that movie, Pocket Full of Rainbows, uh, the Swedish Angel. Do you remember him, Tony, the Swedish Angel? Of course. I yeah, definitely. <laughs> he had a face only a mother could love, as Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> would say. But yeah, uh, Mike, he, Mike Messier. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, he the Swedish Angel was uh, the prototype for Shrek. Absolutely, he sure was. Yeah, they they make this guy could speak five languages. He yeah. was in a lot of movies. He was a great wrestler. He had this disease that he didn't have when he was young, but it it, it started like I think in his teens, and then it you know I used to have. I used to display, um, uh, what do they call it? They they had a uh, they made a cast, a cast of his head. I oh, had yeah. his cast. I had his cast, and there was a story. He had a friend of his that was a lifelong friend, and he was like a manager or something. And when the Swedish Angel died, they both got sick at the same time. He died, and I yeah. think it was only like hours before the other guy died. And they're buried in the same place together. Yeah. Like it was, I had some story that was about it. I read it, but I don't, I couldn't like pinpoint it right now. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, very interesting, but he's Shrek. Yeah. Mike Messier. Go ahead. Tony, what can people do now to support you and uh, the upcoming uh, Hall of Fame? Uh, that you'll be putting together in the near future once once this worldwide nightmare runs its course. What can people do in the meantime to get involved or get more information? Is there a Facebook page, a website you want to tell everybody about? Yeah. We have a Facebook page that is approaching. Well, we've only had it for four months, and it's yeah. approaching. Uh, it's uh, it's approaching. Well, at the end of this month. Uh, January, February, March, April, yeah. So three and a half months we've had it. But we have uh, approaching 3,000 people on it already. So get on that, like it, and follow everything we do. And our our other thing, our our page is ipwh.org. 
ipwh.org, ipwh.org, and there's a store that you can buy hats and shirts and stuff like, and mugs and things like that. And we're going to be putting online raffles on. And with the online raffles, support that. Send your money in to, you know, for these raffles. Absolutely. Listen, we can't have a wrestling show because how do you put people six feet apart from each other at a wrestling show? Well, you know, Tony, that's a real good point. Let Let me ask you a question along those lines. You know, all the uh, the wrestling promotions right now are running what's called a empty arena matches. What are your yeah. thoughts on that that whole notion? <laughs> I, my, my, my thoughts on this is it's very creative. And I'll tell you why I think that. Because if they didn't do that to try to survive, they'd be dead. They're trying to survive. And they're coming up out of the box of ways to do it. Do I like to go to a show and no one's there? Idiotic. Would you, as a wrestler, not be able not be able to want to slap hands in the front row as you're walking in, and sure. or walking out, or even you know yell at one of these fans during the middle of the match? You know, you took it all away from them. You know, all of that's done. But yeah. if you could stream it and still make money through the stream, and, and at least make enough to keep yourself going. These people, you got to listen. You know what got me was they're not essential, so they shouldn't be able to do it. I, yeah. I'd like to meet the guy who says who's essential and who's not essential because well, yeah. let me tell you his wife, his kids, his mortgage, his car payment is pretty essential to him. Absolutely. Why do you tell me I can't do this. I have to have sure. this money, I got to get this cash. I got to pay these bills. They'll take my car. They'll take my house. My kids got to eat. How come you absolutely. tell me I'm not essential? That's really essential to my age. I absolutely agree with you, brother. Absolutely. Grimlina, go ahead, kid. About these empty arena shows, um, I speaking from myself as a worker, I fed off the crowd. Mm. I needed that energy to give me that little extra oomph to bring out whatever I was bringing out. The best of you. The best of me or the nastiness of me. The more I was, the more I heard booze or Gremlino sucks or you suck Gremlino or whatever, the harder I became, the meaner I became. And it was pivotal to get the adrenaline going. But that's not what I really wanted to say. The fact is, being a woman in this man's sport that I was, have you any? Have you inducted or plan to induct any women into yeah. the International Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Twenty years I did it, but you know what we did for twenty years? You know we put in the June Byers, we put in the Donna Christentellos, the Penny Banners, the Tony Roses. You know, um, we put all of those type of people in. Uh, Wendy. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Mula, May. We put Ann all Casey. of those. Uh, Ann didn't get in yet. And, and to me, to be, well, you know, being president, I had to stay out of it. You know, I didn't have a vote. But I think yeah. Casey I love deserves Ann. to be in there. 
Ann Casey is a badass. She should have been in there. You know, absolutely. Read her, read her, read her uh, biography. I was a truck driver. I was shot how many times? Right. I mean, this girl, bad dude, man, and she was a a champion. She was out of Bula's uh, uh, group there, and uh, she may not have had the best relationship with them. But she was still, I, I think, uh, what was she, an AWA champion or something like that? But yeah. she was, she was, she should have been, if she's not in it, uh, she hasn't been in it yet, but I think she should be in. But that's up to the historians. And that's what, you know, being the head of it, I always had them do it because I, I didn't want to get involved into it. Because yeah. everybody would come up to me and say, how come you don't have so-and-so in? How come you don't have so-and-so? I said, well, that's because they weren't voted in yet. But, you know, maybe they will. Listen, right. when we our, – our categories are, are like men, women, tag teams, international. Yeah. We, we, and we started off with midgets, even with the midgets. Um, things like that, we, we would have – even See, with the men. Women, midgets. Yeah, I meet some of the criteria. <laughs> We broke we broke it down to like pioneer era, era uh, TV era, modern era, you know things like that. And we would right. do one or two out of like each era, something like that. But with the midgets, in the beginning, it was kind of tough because we couldn't sustain that category every year. There wasn't enough True. to put them in. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, after you put the big ones in, the Skylo Lows and and things like that, after you put those Little Beaver. Little Beaver, Lord Littlebrook. Sure. After you get all those, yeah, after you put those people in, who else do you put in? You couldn't carry the category. Well, you know, know, that that ties into a question I have, Tony. Um. Put your wrestling fan hat on for a second and answer this for me from your perspective. What happened to all of our characters? His brother? What what happened to all the great characters in wrestling? There are no characters. There's storylines now. Listen, if, if Killer Kowalski was wrestling today, he would... Turn o- Actually, he's probably turning over his grace. Don't you remember years ago, there would be two people wrestling for an hour. Two out of three match, 20-minute time limit. You only needed two guys. And yeah. they wrestled the whole time. There was no, like, this. Nowadays, they get in the ring, he grabs a microphone, and he talks. Then the next guy gets in the ring, grabs the microphone, and he talks. You hit me, you bump into me, I bump into you, and then somebody comes in from out, outside the ring, pushes you, you leave the ring, go back, he leaves the ring, go back, 20 minutes is wasted, and there was no wrestling. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. You know, nobody, in the years before... They never left the ring. They left the ring only to run away from the guy yeah. beating them up, and then he would run to the other side and slide back in. But no one went into the crowd. No one went into the glare, the, the steamboat you know. match. 
Tony, I had a question for you. Why did it take so long for Bruno San Martino to be recognized as the the accomplished star that he was? You know, he had problems, so every time they wanted to recognize him, the w, I'm, I'm taking it you said WWE, right? Because we recognized well, that, him yeah, the very I, first year. Yeah. Uh, listen, I recognized him the very first year. He just didn't come. He was type of guy in the beginning. It was the one with the nose on the glass, like I told you. Wanted yeah. to see whether or not this thing would go because he was such a star. He didn't want to get into something that would fail. And I didn't blame him, you know. Sure. But with the WWE... I guess he had problems with the hierarchy. And until he straightened that out, he didn't want to be part of that. He wasn't, he, and, and he has that Italian uh, bullness. He's, uh, you know, he was like, yeah. I'm not going to do it. So it was just the way it was. But with yeah, us, sure. and I'm asking you to Google this, go look at Bruno San Martino's acceptance speech for the PWHF. When, we into about eight years, nine years past, or ten years past, mm-hmm. from when we tried to put him in. He yeah. wouldn't come. He wouldn't come. After we established and started getting established, and he started hearing all his friends talk good about it, and his best friend, Dominic Danucci, was getting inducted, he called me up and he said, Tony, I want to induct Dominic, and I want to come to receive my ring. Well, I said, sure, I fine with me, you know, and I'm going to ride up with all these guys from Pittsburgh. I said, that'd be yeah. great, man. You know, I appreciate that. And he came up, and he wanted to talk and say something special about the hall yeah. and what he thought of it. It's on YouTube. Yes. It's Bruno Sammartino's uh, induction speech, Professional yeah. Wrestling Hall of Fame, PWHF. It is now, mind-blowing. When, uh, when J.J. and, uh, and Davey O'Hannon were here with me last week, uh, they talked about a trip that the three of you made to Pittsburgh to Rico's Restaurant. <laughs> yeah, he's the best, but... yeah. Listen, two two out of three already told you. Yeah. <laughs> let's, so I uh, let's take a let's take another question. What <laughs> happens exactly. on the road stays on the road. Go ahead, Grammy. And learn something. Learn something new. Hey, listen, I had a lot of fun on the road with those guys. I I vacationed with them. I uh, I uh, I mean, and I'm talking like all those that group of wrestlers. Not only just those two, but I vacationed with them. I worked with them. I went to dinners with them. I had I had dinner with them. I drank with them. I mean, I had an education that they gave me. It was just, God, listen, whenever I was with those people, I never really talked. God gave yeah. me two ears and one mouth for a reason. Exactly. And when I talked, and when I, talked I was talking about something I already knew. But when I listened, I was learning new things. And those people would tell me things that I couldn't believe. And we took a trip one time. It was me, Moolah, May, and George Steele going to Toronto. And I, for, it I was heard two, about three that. Days. 
I, I had, I'd like to be the I, fly I, in that car. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually cried. heard about that trip. Oh, man. <laughs> I cried, man. I cried. It was like the, I, I can't tell you what a great time it was and all the things and the, how many times we got lost in the rainstorm. Yeah. And, I mean, just all, all the shit that, that happened, you know, that you want to remember, you know. But sure. then again, I've always that I've always had that fun in another sport. I always had that fun with boxing. You know, there's a little known fact out there that a lot of people don't know is that my I have two other brothers. Well, one just one died a year ago. But when the three brothers, my 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 father was kind of a player, not around that much. So we were raised pretty much with my with my mother and right. the three and she had to raise these three boys. We ended up in five professional sports. The yeah. three of us were in five sports. Now, I don't know how many other family were able to do that. We had baseball, football, uh, boxing, wrestling, and MMA. And yeah. I don't know a lot of families Sweet. that had that, uh, you know, uh, opportunity. So, well, I, you know, I'm. I have a question I wanted to tie in right where you're at, Tony, because my understanding is that the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame is also going to recognize MMA and boxers. Is there any truth to that? No. Okay. No, no, but that was, but, but to be telling, telling you this, I'll tell you this to you right now. I was looking into starting a Hall of Fame for MMA. I Well, that's why they, I was asking. UFC, I actually UFC, heard that. UFC doesn't have a brick and mortar. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. that. Was, I, I, did, I did hear that. I would like to have started. I'll tell you if, I, you, ever, if I ever got to do something again, I would want to do something like that. I usually keep it close to the breast. But I'm getting sure. older, and time's running out on me trying to do that. But if anybody's listening out there, and you're able to do it, do it. Because there isn't any. You'll be the first one in the world to do it. So go yeah. do it. You can go back to Kenny Chemrock in Severson. You, sure. It's not what's out there now. It isn't UFC now. It's, it's those guys that started it long ago, if you remember, right? Yeah, sure. Very much like pro wrestling. You know, they were uh, the stalwarts. Mike Messier, yeah. uh, final final thoughts or comments for Tony Bellano before I let him go? Well, I just wanted to make sure everyone got the, the website down right. It's uh, ipwhf.org. Uh, I took a look at it. The logo is great. It's a fantastic logo that's available on Throwback. some shirts. The throwback. The throwback. Yeah, and, and then, then like you said, the featured store, you've got The Rock in this uh, Cassius Clay, um, which is, of course, Muhammad, Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali's birth name, Cassius Clay tank top that was worn by The Rock in a workout session. So that's up for a raffle, an online raffle. And uh, You can Tony, see The Rock in it. Oh, yeah, you, you can, can see, the see him wearing it. He's yeah. doing a double bicep curl, I believe, with the uh, long bar. Yeah, and uh, you got a really cool photo there of it looks like gorgeous George perhaps taking a, a hip toss from I'm not sure who he's wrestling, but it looks like gorgeous George. Um, but I I you was checking out story on that. Yeah, go for it. 
There's a story on that. I'm starting the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Can't tell you how many problems I had. And, and people would call me when I first started it and saying, hey, I know I own this guy's likeness. For you to use this likeness, I want a thousand dollars. Nah, I ain't gonna give you that. Hey, I own, own Andre Science like this. If you do this, I'm, I'm gonna sue you. Blah, blah, blah. So, here yeah. I am starting the very first call. I, I don't know why they took that and put that up there, but that was Anthony Ricolo who started our first, who started the PWHF Hall of Fame's uh, uh, website and stuff. And yeah. that picture was our first was our first uh, um, poster. So what I did was I looked through, I can't tell you how many pictures, and then we came up with this picture, and it's, you can't really see their faces, but like Mike said, you could tell who they are. Sure. Right. But you don't see their face if you see the picture, and it's 1947 Madison Square Garden, yeah. the first time that Ernie Dusek was in Madison Square Garden. There's a name from the past. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the other guy with Gorgeous George. Wow. Um, And it's George, it's it's, uh, Gorgeous George, Ernie Dusek, Madison Square Garden, 47. Can't see their faces, couldn't be sued. And those posters are are 18 by 20. That's amazing. Grimlina, one uh, final comment or question for Tony before I let him go? Yeah, Tony. If you did yes. have a say in who could be inducted, who is your dream inductee or have you already had them? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to skate on this, but when you're uh, officer or your name is out front, you never want to say you like one more than the other because if some other person hears it and they come, I was asked that question when I was with the PWHF, they said, who's your favorite Hall of Famer? And I said, well, they're all my favorite. They may have taken different, they all, they all climbed Mount Everest. They all stuck the flag on the top. They just took different routes there. And they didn't take all the same route. And they took it and they and they planted the flag up on top. Now, if I told them who I like better than the other, this guy may be offended. He may be yeah. hurt. When I'm finally out of everything and I'm done with everything and my and my opinion really don't mean much, I might like tell you. And or that might be one of my chapters. Well, I'll tell you okay. what. Uh, whew, you talk about a, a guy whose uh, life is a story. Brother, you got stories and then some. That's one. Yeah, it's, I do. It's and been that, a hell of a ride. And Tony, <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I want to give everybody the website. And... Uh, it's the IWP. It's the no, uh, no, no. IPWHF dot org. The IPWHF dot org. International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame dot org. 
And uh, you can go to their Facebook. They have a prominent Facebook page. Uh, you can uh, seek them out. I encourage you to uh, join. Uh, find out all the information you need to find out by contacting either Tony Villano or Seth Turner. They're both highly visible on the page. Make a donation to the IPWHF.org. Easy enough to do. Tony, you have anything else to plug? Any social media? I just want to thank you, Ann. I want to thank Mike. He's my new friend I haven't met yet. All right. I, I, w- I would like you to say hello to Patricia Summerlin for me. I think she was uh, funny. Do you know her? Because I think she was an original. But she was Who? a big fan of again? the ball. Which girl? Patricia Summerlin. Patricia I, I know Summerlin. exactly what you're talking about. That's my girl. Yeah. 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 She, you oh, here's something you'll her? appreciate about Patricia. And then I've got to go because i got to get on a heating pad for my pinched nerve wrestling injury. Um, Patricia, Sonny, the California girl in GLOW, is the only GLOW girl to pick me up off my feet. <laughs> wow. That was, I, that was an attempt well, right there. I, even Fiji was like, Grimmy, I can bench this much. I can't get you off your feet. You're going to have to fly with me. <laughs> now, I, you have to I know that Grimlina, Grimlina is all of a four feet tall and yeah. uh, probably uh, a buck it. soaking wet. Yeah. I was back then. I was 4'9 and 105. <laughs> the trick was she was so squirming um you know muscular squirming when uh, she was wrestling back then that uh you couldn't get a good purchase or a good balance on her and she could basically shake you off pretty easily and i could yeah, plant myself a, and a little rat that kept moving properly, around yeah when you plant yourself properly you can be an immovable object you've seen it when the guys do that where they'll bump into somebody and the person doesn't move yeah. it's all a matter of planting well tony i Thank oh, you so I much, it, and I, I will uh, I, I will be talking to you over the next day or so, and uh, I'll hit you up on Facebook, and I'll give you a call over the next day or so. I just hope that it was informative and interesting for all our Incredibly fans. Incredibly so, absolutely. Oh yes. my God, please, absolutely. <laughs> so everybody, all Tony right. Milano, International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's on Facebook. It's the IPWHF.org. Make a donation. Get information. Contact them. Be a part of this group. It is, I, I highly encourage everyone. It really is a worthwhile effort. It's awesome. a labor of love. It really is. Cool. All right. Tony, guys. thank you Take so care. much, my friend. You have a great night. Enjoy. All right. Thank Peace you. out. Thanks, Tony. Take care. All right. Bye bye. All right, guys. Hey, I'm good. Grimmy, you came up with some good questions, kid. Yeah. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> you know what? You keep saying I'm going to buy you a fucking horse. <laughs> Co-host of Cloverleaf Radio for seven years. Okay, so what do you got to plug? Do all your social media. Get it out. 
Get it out. I am Sandy Grimlina Manley on Facebook. I'm Grimlina Glo- I'm at Grimlina Glow on Twitter. My Instagram, I think, is 08Sandy. Um, I got nothing to plug because everything I would have plugged has been canceled. <laughs> yeah, me too, kid. All of my my appearances have been canceled too, but I had two my scheduled. My appearances going from the bedroom to the office in my house. Yeah. I've been under house arrest. Well, I uh, I want to thank you and uh, Big Hunk of Bubba Love for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Grimmy. I'll be I'll be in touch with you over the next day or so. Awesome. Cool. Talk Take to care, later. you guys. Alan, you got your yes, hands sir. full with that one, kid. Oh, man, I got it. Yes, I do. <laughs> He's God a 300-pound gorilla in the room. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if Grimmy, I can't take, take care, care Alan, of him, he can. Yes, sir. Take care, my friend. Take care, Bye-bye. man. Take care, Mike. See you guys. Have a good night. All right, Mikey. It's just you and me, kid. Okay. That was a, a very interesting, enlightening, and informed informative conversation um your thoughts on tony villano well I, I i was checking out the website and then the website really does his uh, cause a lot of justice and i would encourage people um once again to check out that website um and you know three or four years ago people were so hung up on facebook and social media that people were saying, oh, the website is dead. The website is dead. Well, I, I adamantly disagree with that, uh, Angelo. I feel that if someone doesn't have a good web presence and a good old-fashioned you know, website, then that's like the, that's like the modern-day business card. So Yeah, you know, it's a good point you bring up. Everybody seems to be using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That, that seems to be for lack of a better term, the new web presence, really. Well, if, if I could speak on that for just a moment, Angelo. Sure, please as, do. As someone, I run about four websites of my own. You know, MikeMessier.com, BloodSugarSidAce.com, DistanceFromAvalon.com, and AvalonniaFestival.com. And running those, I can tell you that it's never been easier, and it continues to get easier and easier with WordPress, GoDaddy. That's what I use. Other people use Wix. Um, and for me, the amount of control that I have running my own website is infinitely more than if I were just using the, the social media platforms. And I I don't, I think it's one of those things where it's like with this, um, every, uh, uh, you know, five or six weeks ago, everybody determined we have to go out and buy a toilet paper. And suddenly there was a toilet paper shortage for people that really needed it, including everybody. Because sure. everyone's hoarding this toilet paper, and, and you know, so so when the word got out, well, websites are dead, and Facebook pages are the way to go. If you buy into that, then you're just part of the problem. The reality is, uh, the website gives you more control uh, for your own stuff than than relying on another platform. And there's a lot of privacy issues that people don't want to admit to with social media platforms and that's not something i'm making up you know so i i just never i never bought into uh companies or individuals that relied strictly on the social media uh what they're giving you you know what i mean you got to have your own website in my opinion in this case their website uh tony and his associates ipwhf.org uh it's a nice sleek website Uh, I, i hope it continues to grow 
And I hope that once this uh, horrible thing is over, they'll have all these wonderful events that they put so much work into planning. Yeah. And I, I know that it's, it's very frustrating, Angelo, because here we are, we're speaking about events like they, they've got, they had something with Lanny Poffo. They had a pro wrestling show, all these things that people put energy and effort yeah. into it because of, this god-awful virus, everything's on pause. But at, at the same time, I do want to encourage people to stay vigilant about not uh, interacting socially. Wear those masks. I was out today to buy some groceries, Angelo, and I saw a lot of people not wearing masks, and I got very angry about yeah. it because I'm wearing the mask. I, you know I, I mean? actually I agree with you. Uh, we went shopping Sunday, and there were uh, uh, quite a bit of people uh, that were just either ignorant or absent uh, absent malice, whatever the case may be. But you know what? Like you said, if you're not part of the uh, solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah. So um, I encourage everybody that watching and listening, you know, to maintain social distancing. You know, wear protective, uh, personal protective equipment. You know, it, it doesn't take much to put a mask on. Or a pair of latex gloves for a few minutes, you know that may save somebody's life. Because but, the problem uh, is, people don't realize if the carrier, you or I, could be a carrier, and not feel any symptoms. Exactly. And the, the, these people that are walking around without masks or, or gloves or, or or something, a neck gaiter—that's what I've been wearing—or or bandana or something over their mouth and nose. Yeah. What they don't realize is they could have this stuff but not be showing symptoms, they could bring it to someone they love or someone that you or I love. And it's, Absolutely, it's, of course. It's kind of selfish and disrespectful for people not to take that uh, consideration into effect. Absolutely. Well, Mikey, you uh, you plugged your website, so uh, let's just plug them again. Where can people reach you? Where can they get a hold of you, see your films? Well, you've been very good about that, uh, Angelo, and I thank you again. Disregard the Vampire Mike Messier documentary. It's probably the go-to movie uh, that everybody seems to enjoy. It's on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. Um, like Mike, it. Yes, uh, Mike Messier YouTube channel. Uh, the new podcast, or video cast, I've been doing video and audio versions, and you've been distributing it on the Wrestling with the Future podcast. Uh, just did Life Lessons Part 1 of Moving. So Moving is Episode 3, Part 1. There'll I actually <laughs> saw that today, and I thought, you know what? It's funny. I watched that today, and I thought, leave it to Mike Messier to put a uh, a perspective on moving. Yeah, you know? well. But you, the, the thing about you, and I want people to watch your videos because you do bring a, a rather unique perspective. You come from the standpoint not only of a consumer of the world's goods, but a purveyor, which means that you supply the world with goods as well. Sure. Consumable goods, which is in the form of video and audio. You know, it's in, the, the show is aptly named Life Lessons with Mikey Messier. Well, if anyone has any suggestions for topics, feel free. But I, I've, you know, what it was, Angelo, was I was driving around last Friday. When I say driving around, I was literally driving around to kill the evening Last Friday night, I found myself in a very interesting part of Florida, and I it just occurred to me: wow, the sun is out. There's a bench. There's there's one. There was one other person. I think he was fishing. Who who actually did a cameo in the background of the video? But yeah. I said, you know what? I want to start this video, and unfortunately, the uh, 
I kind of ran out of storage on my uh, phone, but I will yeah. do part two to wrap it up. But I think people will like part one. And and the real thought I had for people out there, Angelo, is if you're unhappy where you are geographically, once this thing clears over, maybe it's time for some people to move, to geographically Absolutely. move. Absolutely. I, you know what? I actually had that conversation with one of my clients. Yeah. Uh, who... Uh, had been uh, in California for some 30 years, and she said, you know what? I'm ready for a move. I said, well, what's stopping you? Move. Right. Go. So I think she's going to end up in Sedona, Arizona, to be honest with you. Well, let me give everybody our plugs. Uh, We are Wrestling With The Future, and you can find us uh, for the time being on Facebook, forward slash Wrestling With The Future. I may very well take Mike Messier's advice and buy a dedicated website. Hey, why not? Perhaps if it's not taken, I'll buy wrestlingwiththefuture.com. That's right. There you go. <laughs> um, you can also wear one of our great T-shirts. We have shirts available. They are in large, extra large, and 2X, Wrestling With The Future T-shirts. You can find them also on our website. You can go to my uh, Facebook page. You'll find all of our videos there and on YouTube at Wrestling With The Future on YouTube. We are on Twitter at Wrestling Future, W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-F-U-T-U-R-E, Wrestling Future on Twitter. And uh, if you want to contact us, you've got show ideas, guest ideas. It's WrestlingWithTheFuture at gmail.com. And I have to tell everybody, we have a special show coming up next week. And I want to give everybody a heads up as to what's coming. Next week, uh, I will have myself and one guest. It will be the only show uh, in recent memory that I'll be doing by myself. And I will have a childhood friend of mine on who is the country's foremost Tom Jones tribute artist. We'll be talking entertainment, what the uh, COVID has did to to Atlantic City and Las Vegas, how it's all but crippled. In fact, it has crippled the entertainment industry. And we're going to talk about uh, the coronavirus, uh, news, politics, sports. We may get into some conspiracy theory and conjecture. We may even talk about Bigfoot and aliens for, for all we know. With because with Steve McCoy, you never know where the conversation will lead you, and I'm looking forward to that. We also have Mikey in May, some amazing guests coming up. We've got Magnum TA, yes, the belly of belly of suplex, yeah, Magnum TA, Lanny Poffo will be here uh, May 7th, the Magnum will be here May 5th, Lanny May 7th. We've got uh, the return of the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. Yes. We will have making his first podcast appearance for us uh, on May the 12th is Flying Brian Pillman Jr. Then he'll come back on May the 26th for part two of his interview. We also have making a rare podcast appearance, and I was able to get him because he's a friend of mine. And he said, yes, Sam Houston will yes. be joining us. In fact, Mikey, you'll be on that show with me. Well, I remember I remember Sam Houston had a great bulldog and a great flying clothesline. 
and yeah. uh, he and he fought Crusher Khrushchev for the vacant Mid Atlantic title at Starrcade '85, and uh, he got a big surprise pinfall victory over Superstar Billy Graham, I believe, in the first match at the first ever Great American Bash. Yep, uh, sure and, did. Uh, quite, and he feuded with Black Bart quite a bit So quite a career from Sam Houston Well, you know, it's funny you mention Black Bart Because uh, there's a More than a good chance we're going to get Black Bart on the show too Well, he's he's got he's he's a, quite a storyteller And uh, he had a great I hear career. I hear He had a great career teaming with Ron Bass As the Oh uh, god, yeah and they, they were called uh, the Long Riders. In, in the addition Long to, Riders, yes. In addition to Black the Irwin Brothers. Yes. There was the two tag Bass. teams. Yes. Can I just jump in real quick, Angelo? Sure. I believe, it was, I believe it was two days ago that it was uh, Jeff the Ref's birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, was, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I want to tie in. I think I know where you're going with it. Uh, Jeff the Ref, of course, um, would have been 43 this Saturday, but yeah. it occurred to me that Saturday marks the passing of two wrestling icons, legends, giants, mm. and most people have forgotten about them. Saturday marked the passing of Bruno San Martino. Yep. Yeah. He passed on April 18th, and also it marks the passing of Wahoo McDaniel. Wow. On the same day. Wow. And it didn't it didn't hit me until afterward that Bruno and Wahoo both passed on Jeff the Ref's birthday. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting stuff. And what a fitting tribute it really yeah. is. It's uh you know, I don't look at the uh, the downside of that. I always look at the uh the silver lining to the black cloud. You know, it's always a black cloud that Jeff's not here, but you know, we have the silver lining in the form of uh, Mike Messier and Mike Kelleher right. and, uh, of course, uh, you know, Mike Murphy, the, the the unholy triad of Mikes. Like, I'm you're, stuck you're getting with quite, three Mikes quite over here. Quite an army of Mikes there, Angela. Actually, I'm stuck with four Mikes. Here's my other Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I just, I just, it, it reminded me just, I wanted to say that his sister, Jeff's sister, had a real nice tribute. To yeah. her, her, her brother Jeff, and yeah, uh, sure and it, it occurred to me uh, on a side note, a friend of mine had also passed away at the age of forty-five a couple of years ago. So the third anniversary of my buddy Joe Jaffo's death is coming up tomorrow. And uh, anytime, folks, you think about people that die before their time, it gets disconcerting. But we, we try to look at those silver linings, like you said. Yeah, Angel. absolutely, my friend. Well, Mikey, it's been another great episode, another great week. I will see you, uh, when will I see you? Tomorrow, right? I think so. I think there's another episode coming yeah. up right away. Karen McDaniel tomorrow night. Part two. Part two with Karen McDaniel tomorrow night. And uh, so I will see you. On behalf of Mike, the movie maker, Messier, I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. Happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time.